0: One of the great joys that we have in coming together on Christmas Eve is hearing about the real meaning of Christmas, and I'm so grateful already for what we have heard this evening and what we've been singing together. And I think if there's ever a single verse in all of Scripture that crystallizes what the real meaning of Christmas is, it is Titus 2 and verse 11. Let me just share this verse with you this evening. Here's what this wonderful text says. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. This is the real meaning of Christmas. And all of it is right here. Uh, There is the motivation for Christmas in this verse. There is the manifestation of Christmas And then the verse closes with the meaning of Christmas. And so, for a few minutes together, let's just uh, break down what Christmas is truly all about and what we are celebrating this evening. First of all, the motivation for Christmas, according to this verse, was the grace of God. It says, for the grace of God has appeared. Now, you know, for many, uh, if you would ask them what grace is, they would say, well, it's a favor that is freely done without the expectation of repayment or return, but it is generally a favor that is done for a friend and not necessarily an enemy. Uh, We might be at a restaurant with some friends of ours, and uh, we might decide to pick up the tab for the group that we're with, And, and some of our friends might say to us, now you shouldn't do that, but we say, no, you're my friends, I want to do this, and then of course the response is often, well, what a very gracious thing to do. But God's grace is much greater than that. The Bible says that his grace is freely giving, not to friends, but to enemies. And we always have to remember that. God extended his grace to us while we were enemies, the Bible says. One of the best definitions of grace, I think, that I've ever read comes from Pastor Chuck Swindoll in his book, Growing Deep. And I want you to look at what he says grace is. Grace is that which God does for mankind, which we do not deserve, which we cannot earn, and which we will never be able to repay. Notice the elements here of the grace of God. It is undeserved. Because we are sinners, we're under the judgment of God, and therefore we could never deserve his grace. And then it's unearned. Our good deeds could never make up for our bad deeds. We could not erase our sins or somehow make them go away on ourselves. And then this grace is unrequited. We can't return God's favor. We cannot repay his favor. All we can do is receive his grace. And that's why grace, God's grace, is something that he must entirely do for us. But then this verse continues to take us a little bit deeper into the manifestation of Christmas. And the manifestation of Christmas was Christ appearing. We are told here in Titus 2.11 that the grace of God has... Appeared. Now that is a very, very interesting word. We get our word, Epiphany, from this word, Epiphany. And we all know that Epiphany is uh, celebrated on January 6th, which is the last of the 12 days of Christmas. And we celebrate Epiphany on that day because it was the first appearance of Christ to Gentiles represented by the wise men. Epiphany is a very, very vivid word, it means to appear suddenly upon a scene, and particularly of a sudden divine appearance. And the word also referred to the dawning of light upon darkness. As I think about that, it's a perfect description of what happened with the wise men. The star appeared suddenly. They were in darkness as to what exactly it meant, when they connected it finally to the Old Testament prophecies and followed it all the way to Bethlehem, it led them to Jesus Christ, who is God manifest in the flesh, the light of the world. Jesus is God's epiphany. It's interesting that two verses later in the same chapter in Titus 2, The word epiphany is used a second time, and let me share with you what it says. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing, the epiphany of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, Titus 2.13. Now, what that tells us then is if this verse is talking about Jesus' second coming, then verse 11 is clearly talking about Jesus' first coming, his first advent. So, God has been gracious to us. In the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, he has intervened to do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Jesus died, he rose again, he ascended back to heaven. He sent the Holy Spirit, and he offers salvation to all. And that's the third part of this text. The meaning of Christmas is salvation is for all people. It says, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. You might remember that the aged man, Simeon, was in the temple and he was waiting for years for the revealing of the Messiah. And when Jesus was eight days old and his parents brought him into the temple to be dedicated to the Lord, the Bible says that Simeon took up the infant in his hands And this is what he said, he said, my eyes have seen your salvation, Luke 2.30. Now, Simeon was Jewish, wasn't he? In fact, everyone in this scene here that we're looking at was Jewish. Joseph was Jewish, Mary was Jewish, Simeon was Jewish, and Jesus was Jewish. Jewish. But it's interesting, just a chapter later, in the ministry of John the Baptist, the book of Luke broadens this out in Luke 3.6 and says this, and all flesh shall see the salvation of God. Now, this doesn't mean that everyone is going to be saved. What it does mean, with the coming of Jesus, all types of people can be saved. Simeon was Jewish. The wise men were Gentiles. Mary was a female. Joseph was male. The wise men were rich. The shepherds were poor. Simeon was old. Mary was very young, just a teenager. Saul of Tarsus was religious. The thief on the cross was irreligious. You see, Jesus is a savior for all types of people who will come to him. He saves from sin, death, hell, and eternal judgment all who will come. The wise men, they came. Jesus saves all who will confess him. Simeon confessed him. Jesus saves all who will trust him as Savior and Lord. And Mary trusted him as Savior and Lord. She said, my soul rejoices in God, my Savior. And so tonight, how about us? Won't we come to him? Won't we confess him? Won't we trust him as Savior and Lord? For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. That's the real meaning of Christmas. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me for just a moment? As we are focusing upon our Savior and all that he means to us, have you taken those steps the Bible describes? Have you come to him, to his cross? Have you confessed that he is God of very God, man of very man, he is the God-man, Jesus Christ, come for your salvation? And have you, by an act of repentance and faith, trusted him as Lord and Savior? He came for you. His desire is to save you, to give you eternal life, to send his spirit to live within you, to transform you, to give you an inheritance in heaven, and to someday call you to be with himself. Tonight, if you are not sure that you know him, turn to him now. And call upon him, he has said, he who cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. And if there's any way that we can help you, whether you're here in our midst or you're watching by live stream, we're delighted to help you know more about Christ, how you can know him as your Savior, follow him as your Lord, and live your life as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's thank him for just a moment. Oh God, what a blessing it is to be here tonight with your people. To hear the real meaning of Christmas. And to recognize what Christ means to us, what he's come to do for us. And the privilege we have of him living in our hearts and making us God's very own. I pray that you will draw by your spirit, men, women, boys and girls to yourself. And for those of us who know you how grateful we are to celebrate a crucified, risen, exalted, and coming again Savior. For his sake we pray. Amen.